Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chit Chat with Finn Maniacs. I'm your host, Tanner Elliott, and today we have a very special guest, our own other Finn Maniac, Asan Patel. How's it going, man? What's up, Tanner? I'm so, so happy you finally have your own show under the Finn Maniacs platform at the Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, You're just effing amazing, okay? You're just awesome at what you do. You're awesome in your articles, and honestly, you're a great guest host on our scouting combine as well so it's it's much appreciated you brought me on to your to your first show thank you Hassan, for all those nice words so for those who don't know Hassan is the scouting director of skin of fin maniacs and we have a lot to talk about today man he's been busting out mock drafts left to right saying he has this product he wants miami to draft this product this this prospect uh i mean he has, he has, he has a lot of good stuff to talk about. So we're going to dive into your, your mock draft, your full first-round mock draft to start off. And it got shook up right before you're about to release it because the Ravens and Chiefs trade, if you want to you know start us off with that and you know, the changes you made to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what surprised me was that basically the Ravens traded it to a uh, interconference rival, the Kansas City Chiefs, who were just in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, last season, just my thought process through all of that was why would you trade, I guess you could say a franchise, a franchise altering left tackle to somebody who's already a Super Bowl contender. You just basically made your rival much, much better. Like I didn't really understand that thinking like they could have gave it to somebody in the NFC. They could have gave it to Carolina. You're right. Well, I think part of it has to do with Ronnie Stanley coming back. But you're right, man. I mean, Orlando Brown said he wanted to be a left tackle. He wants the money. That's what it is. They want the left tackle money. You won't, I mean, it's it's just hard to say, man. I definitely think it, there could have been, you know, a better team to trade him to. But the compensation, that's they, – they they didn't get as much as they thought. Some people think the, the Ravens got fleeced, which, you know, it is what it is if they got fleeced, man. But <laughs> – it's just, it's just crazy to say that they they I have. I don't think you could call it a fleece. You go, you go, you go. Call it a fleece because it, it helps both teams out in the long run. The Chiefs stabilize their offensive linemen. They'll have to figure out what kind of pay structures they'll give to those guys. I mean, that offensive line investment is huge now, even with Travis Kelsey under contract, Patrick Mahomes under contract as well. And the Ravens, you know, they'll get more players, possibly even a trade-up for more weapons for Lamar Jackson. So maybe we could see in the next season or maybe the next few seasons, both of these teams going at it within the AFC Divisional or maybe even AFC Championship. Yeah, it's very interesting you say that the contract situation, actually, because it's been reported that they just traded for him and they don't even have an extension worked out for him. If I'm not mistaken, his contract's up in the next year or two. So... And he was a second-round pick, actually, or very early second-round pick. So he doesn't have his fifth-year option. So this kind of puts in the Chiefs in another situation where, man, we got another, you know, all-pro all player we got to put, we got to pay, and we're just stuck, man. I mean, people are saying caps a myth, caps a myth. Look what the Saints just did, man. You got signed Taysom yeah, Hill to salary <laughs> cap. Salary cap is an absolute myth. The Saints just embodied that this past <laughs> free agency and i mean hey i guess you could say if you're saying the salary gap is a myth then the financial stock market is also it's also a myth the house market 
is a myth then. I guess the NFL draft is a crapshoot then. And I guess you could say everything else. You, you got a question. Maybe is the earth flat, Tanner? Is the earth flat? Man, this is, this is a lot of good questions you're asking right now. It's a myth. There's a lot of questions we can say right now, like boneless wings or chicken nuggets with just sauce on them. There's a lot of things that, you know, just come up with this. But the biggest question to me is, who do you think the Dolphins will draft at 6 and 18? That's the urging question all Dolphins fans are having. You have every every Twitter reporter out there saying they have sources, saying, oh, it's going to be Jalen Waddle. It's going to be Devonta Smith. It's going to be Jamar Chase. It's going to be Kyle Pitts. They're trading back. They're, they want to trade up. Tell me what you think Miami's going to do in your latest mock draft that you did. Well, I don't have any sources yet, and I'm just going to say it out to everybody out there. I don't have any sources. However, Finn Maniacs, ourselves, as a uh, blog and podcasting network, also brings out articles. We do have some sources itself. I wouldn't say, hey, they're Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, but hey, Finn Maniacs has, has got some, some great stuff. Um, personally, at 6 and 8, I've been mocking Devonta Smith and Najee Harris. I did that in my first mark mock. I'm not straying away from it. Devonta Smith and Najee Harris, no matter what. And if you, if I said that five, six months ago, everyone would be in agreement. Now they would be like, oh no, you don't need to draft a running back first round. Devonta Smith at six. And eh, I would rather take Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or trade down. Uh, why are you? I guess you could say with the extra first rounders that we have, admittedly, we have been spoiled within the last year or so. You're you're exactly right about that. Now going back, like you said, five six months ago, saying Najee at uh, at eighteen, I don't even think there's many people back then saying he was a sure for a first round pick. I know the talent's there, but it's just I think this past season is really he, where he really solidified himself as a first round pick and there's still people that don't think oh don't take him first round don't take him first round but the issue is if Miami does not take him at 18 he's gone he won't be a Dolphin unless Miami trades up before the Steelers the Steelers will draft him uh, I'm very very certain in that just because I mean look at the team they they couldn't run the ball to save their lives and then they really don't have a true number one so when you really don't have a true number one, I know they have Juju, but that's a whole other topic, Chase Claypool. They're all very complimentary receivers. So that's another that's another discussion. So I think if you have a run game like a Najee Harris, and then you have Benny Snell, Benny Snell as well, and Anthony McFarlane, I mean, they have a, a pretty good running game. And therefore, I mean, that's how the Steelers have always won, running the ball, and they couldn't do it. Everyone said it this past year. So I think that, if you go, you got it. The running game is non-existent without a decent above-average offensive line. That's what the Steelers need. Right. They need more offensive linemen. Alejandro Villanueva was gone. James Conner couldn't do anything with the offensive line from last season either. They could possibly look to take another center as well since uh, Marquise Pouncey has retired as well. And, you know, he wasn't living up to expectations last season. So, I mean, if they... Do take Najee Harris, okay, but who's going to be blocking for him? Simple as that. Yeah, it could turn to a Trent. It could turn to a Trent Richardson situation very exactly. quick. Exactly. Very quick. <laughs> and you know, people, and 
people have been saying Najee Harris is going to be like Trent Richardson, but with better hands. Like no shot. Um, Trent Richardson. Two different play styles, man. And Najee Harris are two different exactly two different play styles. They're and two, two different, two different people too. Two two different people as a person. That's that that factors in. I mean, look at Eddie Lacy. Where is he now? Probably sitting on the couch eating cheeseburgers. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> man, you did not just do Eddie Lacy like that. Eddie Lacy would absolutely truck you right now and stiff arm you right yeah, into man. the wall. You're sitting next to him, man. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you man, say. I, here. I loved him. I, I I loved Eddie Lacy, man. It was it's actually a shame the way the path he went down. But get, give me one surprise that you could see happening in the first round that not many people are thinking about. I could see Michael Parsons falling down all the way to the early 20s. I really could see. I mean, the yeah. offense, the offensive playmakers in this draft class is super loaded. And the over-under for the first defensive player uh, picked is 10.5, which is usually what has been mocked recently, is basically pass the corner 10 yep. to, to the Dallas Cowboys. And then, you know, the Giants need a wide receiver, maybe an edge. The Eagles need a wide receiver and maybe a corner. The Chargers, they're definitely going offensive linemen to protect um, to protect Justin Herbert. The Vikings, um, as we said in our pod with Arif uh, Hassan from The Athletic, who knows what the Vikings may do and who knows what the Patriots might do too. So it's it's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, the betting, betting the betters and the betting odds, there's some uncertainty too. Until what happens come, you know, pick seven, pick eight, pick nine, what exactly ha- what the Cowboys do. That's, it's a, yeah, a huge bet- butterfly effect. The betters are just hoping the Cowboys pick a corner at 10. That's what they did. They they just know that Jerry Jones, unless Kyle Pitts becomes available at 10, that he's just going to pull the trigger. But I think one thing that you're that not saying That would be insane is, if he falls to that 10. That would be. Yeah, it would be insane. His, his uh, Mika Parsons' character issues, I think that's something that you know, a lot of people are saying it could have a Reuben Foster effect. You know, Reuben Foster fell all the way to 31. And his career hasn't panned out the way everyone hoped due to injuries, of course. But when he's on the field, especially his rookie year in, in San Francisco, do you, I mean, <laughs> he was good, man. He was very good. And I, I, wanted, I wanted Miami to draft him. He got injured, I believe, right? Yeah, he tore his ACL, I think, a couple times, yeah, once yeah, or yeah. twice. I think he got injured. Uh... That's what it is. He's tore yeah, it more than once. Really, really derail players' careers as well. If okay, let's let me ask you this question: If you could see one player who didn't, you know, go down with a career-ending injury, or maybe like kind of like a Derrick Rose type of situation, what player in the NFL would you have liked to see not like have an injury and just like absolutely explode onto the scene? Well. There's a plenty. There's plenty of other. There's plenty of players you can say that. Ruben Foster is definitely one of them because he's not. He should be a household name. He really should. I think. I think when he played with the 49ers, he was definitely a top linebacker in the league. Um, I can even say Calvin Johnson, even though the the Lions didn't treat him well as a player, he played with so many injuries that we didn't know of, and that you know, just gone. Um, that's a good question, actually. I have to, I have to get to some thought. You put me on the spot. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if, imagine if weed wasn't so stigmatized and how well Ricky Williams could have been on and the Josh Dolphins. Gordon. I mean, and he Josh was already Gordon. good, but 
and Josh Gordon Josh. too. Imagine those those kinds of things and stipulations and rules and regulations. How well Josh Gordon and Ricky Williams could have been in the league. I mean, Ricky Williams is already great. I guess you could say a Hall of Famer. And Josh Gordon been even much exactly much better. And Josh Gordon had his breakout year that one year. Man, he was. I think he played fourteen games and had about I think twelve hundred yards. And that's with the Browns back when the Browns were the Browns. <laughs> that, that was that was absurd. Man. I remember Terrell, Terrell Pryor too. Terrell Pryor was good too when he switched from quarterback to wide he receiver. Was, he was before he his time, up. man. Terrell Pryor was before his time. He really was. I think a lot of the Ohio State quarterbacks, you know, around him as well. I know Braxton Miller had some injury issues, but Terrell Pryor was. I saw that before. He's actually before his time. It's, it would it would be astonishing to have a quarterback like that now. It's it's six six ran a what a four three four four that has a cannon of an arm. You can teach accuracy, you just can't teach throw power. You can't teach that size. You can't teach that speed, man. You're having a Derrick Henry at a, as a quarterback. That's absurd, man. The arm of I guess you could say a uh, not really Josh Allen, but like um, you know who is another quarterback who's got. Josh, Josh, Josh Allen in his um, rookie year. That's what it was. Okay, I guess, yeah. You could argue that, yeah. I guess you could see it too. Terrell Pryor just needed to get technical. That's Very. all he needed to. And, you know, Cleveland wasn't the best situation for him. Um, the Raiders weren't either. The topic of Ohio State Raiders. quarterbacks. Justin Fields. Yeah, the Raiders weren't either. And since <laughs> we're on the topic of, uh, yeah, exactly, it's Justin Fields. How come the Jets... In a lot of these mocks, how come the Jets aren't picking Justin Fields over Zach Wilson? Man, I wish I knew because the moment, you know what I mean? The moment, it, it was even before Darnold was traded, they said, oh, the Jets are drafting Zach Wilson. Justin Fields just totally got overlooked. Totally got overlooked. Yeah, where did it come from? I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Where did all this talk come from? <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing, Dude, man. I'm have thinking. so many unanswered questions. And then I, the rumor is, I just saw this we, on Bleacher Report have to today. Get big cat up in here. <laughs> I saw today the 49ers are locked in at three, and I saw something today that almost every national insider, Rich Eisen being one of the only few that is 100% certain Mac Jones becomes a 49er. So this, this now it comes to this pick four. Who's that pick four? The Falcons. If you're the Falcons, you draft Justin Fields if he's there. You're getting you're getting arguably the, the second best player in the draft to pick for. I know this is this comes into a a, a very sticky situation, just like the Lurby Tonsil with the Dolphins, where you know you get the a top five player available at 13. W- what do you do if you're the Falcons? Do you trade and get a boatload of picks for your future, or do you get your future quarterback after Matt Ryan leaves? I think you have to do some future succession planning after Matt Ryan. And, well, in my mock, Justin Fields goes to the San Francisco 49ers because God help <laughs> San Francisco and the 49ers nation if they go with Mac Jones. I just I just don't see a fit with Mac Jones. Trey Lance, Trey Lance is also a better Niner fit. Niners. Trey Lance and Fields are also yeah, Trey Lance fits. is also a better fit. And I, and I have the Falcons selecting Trey Lance – Going to Atlanta, really? being yeah. Matt Ryan's successor, and you know, Lance needs a year or two of developmental time. And uh, Arfasan, you know, put it so eloquently. He only has three hundred career passes in his college, 
in his college in his college games, okay? In a span of two years, 300 passing attempts. Pat Mahomes has 300 passing attempts within like four to five games, okay? It's such a small sample size that you can't really, you know, really nail him down as the top guy. Now, if you develop him kind of like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type of situation or an Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes type of situation, and he learns the game for a couple of years behind Matt Ryan, who is arguably a top 10 quarterback within the last five, six, seven years, he'll learn a lot. And he'll learn a lot about Arthur Smith's philosophy of a ground game really helping him out. And I think that might be the best choice for Atlanta. However, I wouldn't argue with it if they say, hey, let's trade back, let's get a load of picks, and let's run it back, okay? I, I wouldn't be against it either. That's all up to Atlanta. You know, the top five to six teams in the draft have a numerous amount of choices, and none of them could be wrong except Mac Jones being drafted <laughs> in the top five, okay? That you're right. You're exactly sorry, right. Mac. Just, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. So uh, a couple points to what you're saying is Lance Jones and uh, – Trey Lance and Mac Jones have the same amount of starts in college, and people say Trey Lance didn't start off in college, and then they say Mac Jones is going third overall. You got to be consistent when you're scouting. That's a big thing for me. Very consistent. I mean, you got to be consistent. They're it's being the Alabama system. That's why. Exactly. It's 100% correct. But I'd rather take a guy that, you know, FCS. I know the FCS isn't the best. But you got Mac Jones, who, you know, they're saying is a better prospect than – some people are saying he's better than Hurts. Some people are saying he's better than Tua. So why didn't he beat him out? Why didn't he beat him out? Um, Because he's not. Exactly. No way. <laughs> That's why. Hey. I, I've seen I've seen people saying Mac Jones. You, you can hear my reaction from it. <laughs> and then um, the the Falcons have a very talented team. That's what people fail to realize. They have a very talented offensive team. Their defense is. They need a defense. Yes, very much. So I wouldn't be you surprised. Know, you go. You got it. I gotta say, I, I gotta say something. I know a lot of people in the Dolphins community is talking about maybe Miami tra- trading up into the first round, getting three first round picks for pick 27 and pick 31 from Baltimore Ravens. Atlanta needs defensive firepower as well. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta trades up too. They don't have to give their second round pick away. They could just give, um, I guess you could say, maybe, I, I mean, okay. They could give their second round pick away and they can do a couple of pick swaps as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Atlanta trades up to either pick 27 or pick 31 to pick a guy like maybe Aziz Ojulari if he falls, uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa if he falls, maybe a developmental guy like Greg Rousseau too. Hell, maybe even a quarterback, maybe like Asante Samuel Jr. if he's there too. The only issue they I see with all that the is. They can get in the defense. I, I don't think they'll draft develop, developmental guys just because their offense is ready now. When you have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, people are saying Kyle Pitts. God, God help the, the the NFC South if you know if they get Kyle Pitts, man. I can't even imagine guarding all those three. Um, I they they need guys that can they they can plug in and play, and I think the Eagles would be a potential trade because there's rumors the Eagles want to trade up again. I know. They're starting to turn to the Jets in that standpoint. Just all the rumors of the organization being bad. I mean, it goes on and on. 
but the Falcons need someone that they can just plug in and play. And to me, I think if you have a top, it can be a deep pick, guy like Kyle Pitts. Well, on the defensive side, that is, if you if you want to develop a developmental guy, you draft a quarterback. But on the defensive side, you definitely need a plug in. Now you can't take developmental guys, especially being in the MC South. I mean. Panthers are loading up on defense. Their offense is going to be electric next year. You wait and see when Christian McCaffrey's healthy. The Bucs are turning everyone and then some. <sighs> and then the Saints, well, you got Taysom Hill at quarterback more than likely because they don't trust Jameis Winston, even though he had the eye surgery. I mean, he just, he, Jason, Jameis Winston just made a, well, a bucket, man. Eyes closed. I mean, start him. Blindfolded. Yeah. He didn't even need uh, yo, I don't even think he needed LASIK surgery, okay? <laughs> he's, he was just perfectly fine. I, Bruce Arians has fine, Bruce okay? Arians has, has some other opinions. <laughs> well, Bruce Arians brought up Tom Brady and a bunch of free agent almost Hall of Fame type of pickups and re-signed everybody. So And they got yeah, they got he got them all it's rings, man. The they're ring chasing. It's they're ring chasing. I definitely think with the with the offseason they're definitely going to be a better team than next year. And I I mean last year. I hate to say that. But as a being a realistic guy, they're definitely going to be a better team. Do I think they're going to go on? I don't think they'll repeat. They're not going to repeat. They might not repeat, but they definitely will be a better regular season team. You saw them in the playoffs. They are a completely different team in the playoffs than what they were for the better half of the season. A lot better. Defensive and offensively. Brady that is was, true. Brady that was is, clicking more. That is true. If it wasn't for all the Godwin drops, and I hate to say that because Godwin's a Delaware guy. I'm in Delaware. But God, Godwin put on his his <laughs> worst game of his career, probably playoff jitters, playing with Tom Brady and everything. So, I mean, I, I respect that. And against Washington in the wild card round, but he definitely picked it up, you know, later on in, in the playoffs. But it's, you have Godwin, you have Evans, you have Gr- uh, Gronk, you have Giovanni Bernard. That's that's the sneakiest pickup in the offseason for me. Giovanni Bernard to the, I'm I'm a big fan of him. Playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny. I'm a big fan of Giovanni Bernard. The Bengals are just, I mean, they drafted Giovanni Bernard. Then they drafted um, Hill from LSU. I think his name is Hill. I forgot because he's been out of the NFL because the Patriots picked him up and misused him because they draft running backs like crazy too. And then then they drafted Joe Mixon. So now you have three starting caliber running backs on team. And Joe Mixon's a mix of both of those two players you have before. So then you just, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, it's a shame to say that, but the Patriots just, I I don't even want to say that. I think his name is Hill. I forgot, man, but he he was good too. And then they drafted Sonny Michelle and then James White came along. It's just it's just a shame, but I don't. Giovanni Bernard, Damien Harris, yeah, Giovanni Bernard is going to re re survive his restructure his career in, in Tampa Bay and potentially cash in, in in a year or two. I like Giovanni Bernard. I really like Giovanni Bernard as well. And do you see? I guess since we're still on the topic of the AFC East, since you mentioned the Pats, do you see Josh Allen and the Bills running it back? Um, it depends. I I definitely think that the Jets are going to need a year. Like the Dolphins, very much like the Dolphins. The Jets are going to need a year to get the, you know what I mean, the the TNT. Basically, Brian Flores takes with talent. It's definitely going to give. It's, it's definitely going to take a year for the Jets to, the bills, to catch up. The bills. I know, I know. I'm, I'm breaking it all down. I yeah. think the I think the Patriots. Um, oh, okay. I think the Patriots have. They have a shot to be better than last year. It's a shame what happened to Cam Shoulder. If I'm being honest, because he was such a fun player to watch. But if miraculously he gets a shoulder better, you know, stem cell or whatever, if he starts smoking because it's it's basically legal now in the NFL, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's, if his shoulder yeah. somehow gets fixed miraculously, 
I mean, I know Julian Edelman was gone, but he he was hurt a lot last year. But they, they got some nice pieces in free agency. Bill Belichick is definitely seeing, oh, our team was very deflated because we just didn't realize it because we had Tom Brady. Now, the only team is the Dolphins, I think, that would challenge them. And that, it's really up to Tua. And I really hate to say that, but it's it's really up to Tua because if you look at the game against Buffalo, I know the receivers dropped the ball, but, I mean, he, he didn't look the best. Isaiah Ford's worst game ever. Isaiah Ford's worst game ever, and I really hate to say that because I loved Isaiah Ford until that game where he had about five, six drop passes right, right in the breadbasket. And the ball, it wasn't Tua's fault overall, but there gets to a point where Tua as a leader needs to step up and say, guys, what is going on? I mean, I understand once you drop passes, it's fine. But when you're consistently dropping pass after pass after pass, Isaiah Ford had four or five, like I said. Uh, I know some passes weren't completely 100% catchable, but the ones that were, Tua needs to step up and say, guys, we got we got to do something. Because you were, they were getting blown out, you know, in the game where you win, you're in. And that, to me, is a, a very big know, leadership. But what does what does saying something, what does saying something do? Say, yo, catch the damn ball <laughs> if your hands can catch the damn ball. Well, I mean, what is he gonna do? Thing. We, I mean, we know they the can notion. catch. Yo, though. you need you need better playmakers. We they do, and I think depth. I think depth was a very big issue as well. But you you saw that man. You saw they can catch. I don't know what it was, man. You you saw Earl last season, the season before. They can catch. The issue, it, I don't know what it was, man. That's that's when, as a leader, I, I know Tua had. You know what I mean? You just got you got to say something to try to energize your team because momentum. Like There's I said, momentum momentum is such a big Buffalo thing. Air. Momentum is such a big thing against Buffalo. There's something in the Buffalo air too, dude. Especially being in Buffalo, once the, like the Byron Jones interception to start the game, perfect. Go down, score a touchdown. Didn't do it. That's what the issue is. It's it's something in the Buffalo air. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a Bills Mafia juju curse <laughs> on the entire Dolphins franchise. So I, I just can't seem to the Dolphins just can't seem to figure it out in New York right. Park. I don't I don't get it. You're right. You're exactly right. I about hope that. they figure it out. I, we, I think I hope we all they figure it out. We all hope because the Bills definitely definitely got pretty stronger in, in free agency, like like most teams in the AFC East. So I think that division in the next two years is going to be the most competitive division in the in the in the NFL. I know that I know the NFC West is pretty pretty bad right now. You got the not bad, you know, competitive. You got the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Rams. That's tough, man. <laughs> I mean, the Dolphins almost swept them. They should have swept them, but well, they could have swept them. Seattle is a bit of a iffy situation for me, considering on what kind of capital and assets they have. And, Russell Wilson can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, they look like they're loading up and they're gearing for a run. But the last two seasons, the Cardinals have not shown that they're up to the challenge of being the um, champs in the NFC West. The Rams, ever since that Super Bowl loss, they haven't looked the same. They got they got Matt they really Stafford, though. I think... They do have Matt Stafford that's, that's, now, and that's going to take Matt the off- Stafford absolutely balls out. He is. I think. I definitely think he's going to ball out. It's it's going to be a very interesting year in the NFL. I think. I think the biggest thing that team people are overlooking, casual fans, of course, that there's an off season this year, and you got there OTAs is. this year, and you have training camp this year, 
That's something that, you know, people didn't have. There's preseason games this year. You know what I mean? All that stuff is just so I think three preseason games, right? Three. There is three. I think it's three preseason games. So that's very yep. Yep. So yep. that's Not very interesting. Initial four because of the because of the seventeen game season. Correct. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how people uh play their starters now because I know they used to play, you know, one quarter, then two quarters, and two and a half, three, and then rest them the fourth game. What do you do now? What do you do now if you're a coach in the preseason? You only got three games instead of the four. Do you keep the same approach, one quarter, two quarters, and three and a half, or do you do, you know, two, then three, or you do one, then two, and then rest your starters the third game? It's it's tough, man. It's gonna there's gonna be some growing pains there, but I definitely think I definitely think it's gonna be interesting to see what I happens. I think developmental developmentally developmentally it might be a little bit hard because you have 75 players on the roster during the offseason and you gotta cut down to 52 or 53. Who are you keeping for as a starter the 53 or 54 man roster who are you keeping for the practice squad and who are you actually going to cut that you don't think can make it onto this team let's say um one game a guy doesn't do well you know he drops a couple passes the next game he absolutely shows up 150 yards and a touchdown with eight nine receptions and then the third game he just doesn't play you know what do you that, what are you going to do that's like, when you hope he's young enough you to go on the practice judge, squad I know. The practice squad's a huge thing, and I think course, practice, you know, practice how he performs in practice and the team scrimmage is going to be a huge thing in that regard. But I think if a oh, player in that situation, you think the coach would be smart enough to play him the third game, the third game just to gauge his interest a little bit more. Well, you never know, man. But it's it's going to be tough, man. Like like you were saying, you have a player that's very inconsistent on the on the game field, but when it comes to practice, he's either a, a, he's either a practice player a practice hero, or he's just not performing in practice. He's dropping passes in practice. And then, like you said, the first game, he drops six passes, and the next game he balls out for nine catches. It's hard to gauge someone like that. And I think I think he's done. <laughs> it, it's it's – you got – I definitely think that people are on – this year are definitely on a short end of a stick because – Next year, there's going to be a lot more prospects in the draft. There's going to be a lot more talent coming in. It's going to be a very deep draft. I'm not saying high-end talent. I'm saying players overall on players that you will be able to select on. Very deep, very big selection pool of players. And that's that's the very, very important for teams who need developmental players, who want to get depth, and just overall get better, really. And for sure, you know, that is the thing. You have to see how you're able to develop these players who are on the practice squad, who are just mainly playing for a couple of reps in each game. That's when you really get to, you know, see a gauge of where they are along this process. And maybe you give them more reps, maybe you give them less reps. You saw it with Andrew Van Ginkle. He's come on. And, you know, they've settled for him over Kyle Van Noy. The same could possibly be said for possibly a Jason Strobridge or a Jeremiah Ledbetter. Or Zach Zeeler. Uh, Zach Leader the last Zach season. Zach Zeeler, too. Exactly, you know, what right. if they, exactly. What if the Dolphins don't take an edge at all this draft? The, don't say that. Amazing <laughs> that. They can have confidence in those guys. Maybe they have confidence in, in those guys and they could really come on. You never know.
you don't know what's happening internally, Tanner. I don't you know. Don't. A You're lot right. of other teams, a lot of other teams don't know. A lot of other, I guess, blogs, articles, and esteemed Twitter people and esteemed reporters don't know what's going on. Teams keep things internal, and very, very rarely they leak information unless they specifically tell a reporter, hey, leak this so they can gain an advantage for themselves. That's you're, literally how it works right. in the NFL. You're exactly right. So, Assam, we started with the draft, so let's talk about one more thing to end with the draft. If you're the Dolphins, and let's say you got all these – let's say – First four picks, all quarterbacks. Bengals pick Swell, Suwell, the tackle from Oregon. You have all these players available. You got every playmaker except except the tackle, of course, but there's no playmaker. You got you got everyone at your disposal. Would you would you trade down or would you make sure you get the guy you want? Would you trade down with a team like Denver, the Cowboys, the Panthers? The, the Eagles, if they want to trade back up, would you consider trading down to 15 with the Patriots? What would what would you no, do in this? I would not consider. I would not consider trading down to 15 with the New England Patriots because I really think your guy will not be available. I would have to see. I would have to gauge Detroit's interest, Carolina's interest, Denver's interest, and Dallas's interest as well, and see if there are any other trade candidates around these six. To ten pick area as well. If so, you know, so, so basically, you're saying hey, you want to stay in the top ten. You want to stay in the top ten if you do trade. I want to say, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying, hey, if Detroit wants Kyle Pitts, okay, let him take him. If Carolina wants another tackle, if they want Kyle Pitts, or if they want Jamar Chase to Rashawn Slater, um, pair up with Sam, with Sam Darnold or, or Rashawn Slater, as well, let him take it. I'll get my guy, and I really think the guy. Is Devonta Smith over Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddle? It's just because of his fit. The with six Tua foot, one hundred sixty-six pound Heisman winner is the Sambatels pick for the Miami Dolphins. It is Smith or bust for Hassan right now, reaper. ladies and gentlemen. If it Miami is, trades out of that six spot, all over Twitter. If they trade out that six spot and then the team that trades up the six gets Smith, someone will need to check on him. Ladies and gentlemen. Fine, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm not like these other people. I'm not like these other people who are like Kyle Pitts and bust. I'm gonna punch a hole if Kyle Pitts is taken. Oh, I'm gonna have a severe meltdown of Jamar Chase is not taken out. Any of the any of those four guys, I'll be happy with. I'm cool. As a cucumber or or uh, Joe Cool, I guess something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I don't know. He just wants a playmaker. I just want an edge rusher, and we all just want a Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. That is the first episode of Chit Chat with Fit Maniacs. I'm your host Tanner Elliott. Thank you, Assam. If you want to tell people where to find you on Twitter, socials, all the other fun stuff, go ahead. Now's your chance. You can find me on Twitter at Hussam Patel, H-U-S-S-A-M-P-A-T-E-L. Hit me a DM, whatever. I'll reply back to you. And thank you for having me, Tanner. It was This was awesome. Thank you, Hussam. Until next week, see you guys on the flip side. Bye.